0: First time you've ever tuned in, dear listener. First moment of the Wiggly podcast. Not sure whether to switch off or carry on listening. Well, here's what Wizzy Woo says on the iTunes review. She gives us five stars and she says... Actually, she could be a man, but she wouldn't be called Wizzy Woo. The Wiggly team are a joy. After listening to them, you will find it hard to fight the urge to get out those wellies and go on and head to the bottom of the garden. They're honest... Farmer Phil, who joins me this week. Hello. <laughs> They're honest. Informative, Ricardo. Mm-hmm. Hello. And relentlessly effervescent. Yes, that's you, Heather. That's me. <laughs> uh, they will make you realise that you're not alone in wanting to make the best of what we've got. And you can guarantee that Heather is not afraid to ask the questions that the rest of us townies are thinking. If you're remotely interested in anything to do with gardening... Nature or the planet—you must listen to this. And I confess, I am on my way to becoming a Farmer Phil fan girl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> ideal. <laughs> Eat your heart oh, out, Ricardo.
0: You're right, Mitch?
2: Yeah, I'm just—I'm uh, just slightly shocked by that.
0: <laughs> We're Wiggly Wigglers. We're on Lower Blakemere Farm sofa, and we are winging our way. ...to you through the Ethernet, Internet, Webnet world.
2: So that's a nice one, isn't it?
0: Yeah. This week we'll find out how you can claim a free bag of spudders... ...but only if you're in the UK... If you're in America, we can't send spuds over there because you don't even like our boots in the airport. Having a bit of potato soil on them. So sorry about that. We will find out about lamb docking. We've got a message from Pod Chef. I have to say a big hello to a new Wiggly fan. So from the team.
2: Hello. 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 It's a bit delayed, isn't it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> All together now.
2: Hello. Hello. hello.
0: To Ian Kemp, and that's a message from Debbie Howard to say, happy wiggling. And this week we've got Bridget Strawbridge on the show. Sorry, I said Strawson last week. Ricardo, you've been off at the show. How did you get on at?
2: Malvern Spring Show, yeah, it went really well. It was a fantastic, I mean, the weather was... Dunning, You know, it's about as good a weather as you could imagine possible. And we were in that nice situation with a breeze coming through, you know, so it wasn't just kind of like it is normally where the breeze is coming through and you're wrapped up in your fleece and all your woolies because it's that hideous and cold and wet. So nothing like last year. Lots and lots of folks, lots of interesting things going on because we were at the Case Volume Marquee at the top, we had a little uh, a, a talks area as well. So a few of us gave talks there and people sat down. And in, so I, did have a, I had a, a, an email from somebody who had sat in um, on one of my talks at the Melbourne show. Any good? And he yeah, he said that he, it was fantastic. And because he'd asked me about squirrels, you see, and of course people, what they don't do, when you wax lyrical about wildlife, they, they don't expect the speaker to say, shoot them. <laughs> When they ask what can I do with my squirrels, (laughs) but invariably people really love it. So, so the email was yeah, thanks for thanks very much for Rich's great talk and so on and so forth. But please, could you ask him what I'm supposed to do with the 40 dead squirrels that I've got in the the (laughs) garden now?
0: Funny you should say that because on Facebook we've got exactly the same (laughs) issue, and somebody has asked if you live trap a squirrel, are you allowed to move it and let it out? And somebody else has asked. Have you got any squirrel recipes? So obviously they're not going to let it out.
2: No, no, no. We do. We did have a load of squirrel recipes. One way back when, when um, oh, Robin, Page? Robin Page, came and joined us, and he feasted on some squirrel burgers. Rachel had a load, some like Cajun squirrel and things like that. Some really, some really nice recipes. But I was talking about cooking squirrels. <laughs> you know, it's a good. You know, the object the exercise is to stop them thieving all your birds' eggs and your and your birds and your peanuts and everything else, and uh, and killing everything that, that's killable and, uh, and you know, eat, eat the suckers. But letting squirrels out of traps isn't a good thing to do. You know, live. this is the problem, as you see, people have an idea that if they catch mice in their home or squirrels or rats and so on and so forth, and they can go and release them 10 miles down the road, then that'll solve the problem for them, which kind of, it might do, but lots of times things will come back. But the problem is you're offloading your problem into something else. Now, for instance, if you caught a rat and you took it off onto, I don't know, to the top of Dartmoor, released your rat, thinking, well, that's fine, it's not going to be, cause a problem to anybody else. Well, of course, it might eat some eggs from ground-nesting birds and so on. And, and squirrels are exactly the same thing. In fact, I mean, not that I'm, you know, toe-the-line in, in terms of abiding by the law all the time, but it is illegal to, uh, to do that as well. You're not, you're, not, you're not allowed to release live squirrels and rats.
1: I was going to say, I think it goes for all wild animals, doesn't it? You're not allowed to move them around. No, you can't because move them um, years ago I remember people got into quite serious trouble with bagged foxes. It doesn't happen now, but many years ago one or two of the hunts used to catch foxes and move them to hunt them, yeah. which is very, very bad against the rules.
2: I mean, the unfortunate thing is, is people, if they have a pesky town fox, you know, that's often covered in manes, they'll think, oh, you know, we can take that to the countryside and release it, and, and what a jolly life it'll have. But what often happens is that fox will die anyway because it's in a completely alien environment. Well, um, a farmer
0: will shoot it. a
2: farmer phil might shoot it. Well, we it.
1: have them here, they starve to death. But it's we'll spread, find spread, them sat, sat in the middle of I? the field, looking around them, completely perplexed. And if we're out at night with a tractor they'll come to the lights, because that's what they understand coming from the town. You can always tell them, and they're a different colour. They're usually funny colours. Right. And they'll come to the lights expecting dustbins or whatever. Yeah. And as you say, they've usually got mange... <laughs> they get a high-speed lead and, injection instead. <laughs> well, I mean, it, frankly, we you don't really need to worry about shooting them because they can't catch anything. They've not been brought up to catch anything that I'm worried about. No, no, that's The right. biggest problem is that they tend to get into bad habits. So, that if I mean, we're not sheep farmers, but if you've got lambs, it'll be the town foxes that go after lambs and, and animals that aren't well long before a wild one will. Yeah,
0: I know yeah. how to fix that, Farmer Phil.
1: <laughs> so do I. But
0: <laughs> you need two alpacas. At Tigrove, David Wilson had two alpacas looking after his lambs, mm. and he, instead of losing 50, he's lost nil this year, And the alpacas just sort of go around the place and if anything comes up to them, like we did, they just come forward and they've got a real presence Mm. and they've stopped any of his lambs getting caught.
2: Right, right.
0: But they're really expensive, so he's just borrowed them. Um, And so, thank you to everyone who gives us a review on iTunes. It's a really kind thing to do. So thank you to Whissy Woo. And I've got the second one here. We've got two reviews in one week. So I will pass this pooter... To Ricardo for the second five-star Wigglytastic <clears throat> review from okay. Kathy Quinn. OK,
2: we got Quinn. here? OK, where are we? Kathy Quinn. Uh, Cuthy. Cuthy Quinn. Sorry. Cuthy Quine, in fact, I think it is. Possibly. Ah. Um
0: Cuthy Quine. Cuthy Quine. Kathy Quinn.
2: A warm, funny, witty podcast that helps to get green gardening environmentalists firmly planted in the realities of life. Very down-to-earth, in brackets, and often down to manure (laughs) informal chatting about the issues facing us and really practical advice on simple ways that we can make a difference fantastic five stars
0: that's nice isn't it if you get a chance to go and give us a review go to itunes it's really hard to do but something like click on something on wiggly wigglers and you're away farmer phil tell us about your peas love
1: We've finished planting the peas, they've gone in absolutely perfect conditions, really pleased with that, it was worth waiting. The soil structure has come back really well, we've been sort of essentially correcting some of the problems caused by last year's ridiculously heavy rainfall that we had in May-June time. If those of you in England remember, we were flooded out and all sorts, and the soil has got really tight and so by ploughing it up now, we're correcting the last of that and the soil is back as it should be. So we're having a little bit of the old soft refreshing this morning, which would just be perfect on them. So really pleased with that. That's gone well.
0: Let's go out and hear about the big green mean machine. OK, so I'm at a Heath Robinson-type <laughs> contraption, which appears to have a tractor in the middle of it. Yeah. Just... Describe what this is.
1: Well, what this is is what we plant the corn with. The idea is that when we plough the field, we tow a furrow press behind the plough, which is like a sort of selection of heavy rings that both press and break down the surface of the ploughing so that we get a reasonably level surface to drill into. And then this machine... What's can drill? Then? Drill is... To plant the seed, so you set the seed out in a seed drill, which is a slot in the ground.
0: Right, so does it push it down in a hole, or does it make a, you know, like you do with a hoe, does it? Yeah,
1: most drills work on the basis that they will make a drill, so they'll draw a slot in the ground, yeah. and then it drops the seed in the slot. So does it cover the should. slot up? Well, then that you have a harrow after the drill to cover the, the seed in.
0: Right, so let's go to the front of the tractor then, because that must be what hits the soil first. Yeah. You've got these double wheels on it. Yeah, so What's the, that
1: for, then? The tractor has dual wheels all round, and the reason for that is so that it sits low ground pressure on top of the soil, doesn't do any damage to the soil underneath.
0: Ah, this is the principle of saving somebody on ice.
1: Yes, Isn't spread the spread weight. <laughs> yes, that's true enough.
0: Never walk onto ice. No. You have to lie down, don't you?
1: Well, the, the reason for this is that we want to put into the front of the machine on the back of the tractor as even a surface as we can Right so that you don't have to have it over deep to work out any wheel marks so right on the front here you've got another press which is a selection of cast iron rings with gaps between them and the idea of this well it has two purposes one you'll see that there are gaps where the wheels are you don't need to press that bit because the wheels will do it Right and then it presses down any bits that the furrow press behind the plough hasn't moved or whatever and in addition to that, it acts as a counterbalance when we pick everything up. The drill on the back is heavy. And so that this acts as a counterbalance so that we don't have to carry dead weight around on the front of the tractor.
0: OK, so now we're heading to the back of the tractor. Right. Which is a big green one, as usual. Go so on. the next thing that must hit it is this green bit. Yes. Now, called <coughs> a well.
1: The green bit, this is a power harrow. And we have two alternatives to go in this slot. We have this one, which is the more power-hungry diesel-guzzling version, which is basically a set of rotating tines that are turned by the tractor's engine, that smash up the soil and create a finer tilth. Then, if so you So, like. what
0: would this be in the garden?
1: Your rotavator. Right. Although the tines rotate the other way, but certainly it does a similar job. So, what's this do? So this knocks down, you've pressed the the field, the ploughing, the tractor's driven on the bits that you missed with the press, so it's basically flat and hopefully quite firm coming into this. This will then reduce the size of the soil particles, knock them down into a tilt. The idea is not to have it too deep, basically because if you put it in any depth, it requires a huge amount of power to drive it.
0: Where do you buy this from?
1: This particular one mm. it came from a farm sale. It was one that we saw that we bought.
0: Second hand? Yeah. How much was it?
1: I can't remember. What? Two
0: thousand yeah, pounds, twenty thousand pounds. No, it
1: was about two thousand pounds or something. It's big,
0: isn't it? Well, For the we, money.
1: It was it was a it was another of Farmer Phil's <laughs> bargains.
0: Have we got any eBay purchases on the vehicle? Uh,
1: not on this one, I don't think. Right. Not Unusual. Like
0: okay, so then you've got a red thing. Well Does before see- we leave oh. the green
1: thing So that you've got the rotors that smash the soil down, and then you'll see behind that, you've got a big toothed packer roller. Yeah. Now that is the roller that all the weight of this drill sits on when it's drilling. Right. And the reason for that is that that will firm the ground down. And the reason we want to firm the ground down is because that will inhibit the slugs moving around, and if a slug can't move around, then it can't breed, and it will not eat the crop as badly... And also, by having a fixed, a a solid packer roller like that that carries the weight nicely, when we're actually drilling, the the weight that's on the tractor is just the weight of the tractor. So again, we're reducing compaction and spreading the weight over as much surface area as we can. Now, this green power harrow, when conditions are easier, or when we're on light land, so when the land is more friable, we replace that, with just a, a, a spring tine, what we call a drill mate. So it's instead of having powered harrows, it's just got spring tines and a levelling board and it has a flexi-coil instead of the packer, which is like a sort of cylinder, like a helix. Right, so, so
0: how do you choose when to use which?
1: Well, if it's dry and the soil's friable, we'll use the drill mate. As it gets wetter, or as at the moment the soil is what we call, it's just tough, it's tight, difficult to deal with then we'll use the power harrow because it's we can achieve the result that we need to.
0: Doesn't that the most sympathetic of machines?
1: It's not the most sympathetic of machines, and there is the danger that you'll use it in conditions when you shouldn't, i.e. when it's too wet. It does allow you, should you choose to, to go when any other time you, you probably wouldn't. But from our point of view, we've worked it out and set it up so that ground compaction is at a minimum. It does extend... The conditions that we can go reasonably in.
0: Okay, so now we're on to the red thing. Now the
1: red thing sits It seems styled. to be
0: tied on with a piece of orange
1: string. Good stuff, bailer Tine, it's important and crucial to there, our. There our... is a reason for that.
0: What is the reason, Kev? I'll just go around to Kevin because he drives this <coughs> contraption.
3: The
1: reason for that
3: is to stop me keep getting on and off. Right. Because when that comes back up.
0: What is that?
3: That's a boat marker. A what? A boat marker.
0: Right. That marks
3: where I travel the next time down the field. Right. When that goes back up, that cable will flip the wrong side of that. Right, so the cable will
0: go the other side of the green power harrow thing and it will get caught so it won't fall back down.
3: That won't fall down. That bit of string stops it doing that.
0: You could sell that invention. (laughs)
3: we could cooking <laughs> now. And I know where there's plenty really of string. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and now, Kev, just while you're here, how long would it take you? That field out there is 35 acres.
3: Well, out where fill is, yeah. 38.
0: 38 acres. How long will that take you to plant if the going's okay?
3: Just short of a die, if I have a decent die.
0: And how many times will you have to load that seed into there? How many bags of seed will you plant?
3: It depends how much of a right we're putting on.
0: Right. How much are you putting on?
1: I haven't told Kev yet. <laughs> 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 I've got to work that out yet. <laughs> Roughly speaking, because I don't believe in kilos and hectares, but with peas, we're old-fashioned. Right. Just about as old-fashioned <laughs> as you are. <laughs> the peas, we normally drill at around 200 weights an acre. Oh. Four bags of potatoes
3: an acre. Okay. And, I, and I can get 1000 weight in that drill.
0: Right, OK. So how many times will you have to reload your hopper?
1: Well, you'll use four tonnes of seed yeah, roughly yeah. out there, so, so eight, times. eight times.
0: OK. And when are you going to do it?
1: When he's is, finished ploughing it. Is he holding you up? Yes.
0: Right. How, what
3: would, what? That, how would that <laughs> be? Exactly.
0: <laughs> Little farmer feels a bit touchy about when he ploughs. OK, so let's go to the red thing, Phil.
1: Very simple device, this. Um, doesn't lick it. But essentially you have a hopper at the top yeah. in which the seed sits. Now this drill is called an air drill. So it moves the seed from the hopper to the coulters in a stream of air. Culters. Coulters are the bit that make the drill in the ground. So in this case, they're called a Suffolk coulter, and they just drag a slot in the ground. Right. Interestingly, we use ceramic feet on them so they don't wear out. Now you'll see in the middle, at the bottom of the hopper, There's a sort of grey bit with a load of cogs on the side of it. Now what happens is that if you look through the door in the bottom, you can just see a fluted wheel. Now that goes round when the peg wheel on the side is in contact with the ground. It drives that round, metres the seed out. Right. Accurately. And you change the speed of it or the width of the flutes to alter the rate and then the rate is fixed. Doesn't matter how fast or slowly you go, the rate is fixed because you're driving it with a land wheel. That's clever. And so in this case, it meters the seed and it then drops it into a venturi which is where air is being blasted up the drill and it drops it into that airstream and then the seed goes up to a distribution head which then Spreads it out into all these separate pipes, one each to each coulter.
0: How many pipes are there? How many?
1: I can't remember on 32. this drill. 32. 32, Kevin tells us. Okay. So that it's four metres wide.
0: So it blows the seeds each down each of these
1: pipes. And it blows it into each of these pipes, into each coulter. Yeah. And then you can see how the seed will come down the tube and it will drop out just yeah. behind the ceramic coulter. Yeah. And then the following harrow which is this funny looking thing with lazy head zed That doesn't on seem it. to
0: touch the ground feel. Well
1: it's in transport position at the moment right. but it normally will fit on here yeah. and it will go behind the whole thing. And cover the soil up. And cover the, the, the seed up. Right. And then what we do as a separate pass is to roll it in with a Cambridge roll to firm it again.
0: Right. That's clear then. As mud. Happy seeding. <laughs> Just before we hear from Podchef, let's have a Monty Cast.
4: Monty cast a weekly fact on farming. A chicken can have four or five toes on each foot. Another Monty cast next week.
0: Thank you, Monty. Podchef, come in please.
1: <laughs> Farmer Podchef over in Washington State has been corresponding with me and he sent me an email entitled Technical Question which I left unopened for three days because it said technical question, <laughs> because I didn't think that required too much. What he's doing in Washington State is starting to get his garden and farm sorted out for planting, so he does it with a stale bed. So he cultivates the garden, hopes that he has some rain, lets the weeds chip, and then cultivates it again to is kill them. Is that
0: motivating in my world?
1: Yeah, or, or with a fork. I don't know whether he does it mechanically or with a fork. But his technical question was about lambs, about which I know absolutely nothing And his question was, his daughter Anya has just been given or acquired a Frisian dairy ewe lamb, but the breeder didn't dock its tail. An issue we didn't find out until we drove 100 miles to get it. 100 miles in America seems to me like a trip that Rich and I might make to the pub. You know, they they do that. It's common practice around here to dock all lambs due to fly strike. I've seen living maggot-eaten sheep who are docked late. But the woman who sold us the lamb didn't have any of her breeding ewes docked, despite the fact that she was milking them. When I questioned her about this, she claimed that it was a British thing, this non-docking. He goes on to say, as a representative of British agriculture, blah, blah, de blah, <laughs> uh, what did I think about this? Because obviously, you know, there are various ways of docking a, a lamb's tail. And by docking... Chopping it off. Cut it off. Now, there's several issues with this. One is whether to do it at all. Two, how high up the tail you want to cut it off, and three, how you actually do it and how old the lamb is when you do it. And the options are that you can do it very soon after birth with an elastic rubber band.
0: Orange rubber band.
1: Effectively. If it's done when the lamb's young enough, it's actually a very effective way of doing it because it's clean, you don't tend to get infection in the wound, and although it hurts initially, it very soon doesn't seem to hurt them at all, and the end of the tail drops off, clean and nice no trouble at all. Reasons for docking a tail are essentially cleanliness, but there is trend involved as well. But in Britain at any rate, if the tail gets too mucky, you get fly strike which is when flies come and lay their eggs in all the muck round the back end and the maggots will then essentially start to eat the flesh of the sheep and you get into all sorts of trouble. And so <laughs>
0: sheep got a design problem then well because they can't get at their own bottom
1: when i well that is one issue but essentially when i said when i thought about neil's question i thought about what actually the reasons were and of course the design problem is that if you feed a sheep grass that is too good it will cause it to get its tail all mucky now in britain The mountain breeds that live up on the moors, they don't dock their tails because they don't reckon to maintain them very much, but they're eating such coarse grass that their muck is firm and dry so that there's no issue. Now, this begs the question that when you go down to lowland sheep breeds who are eating good grass, you clip the wool round the tail area so that, obviously, if there's no wool on the tail, it can't get all claggy and the flies don't get to lay their eggs in it. And there are all these various management ways of doing it. Added into that, amongst the showing fraternity, particularly with the the meatier breeds of sheep, there has been a tendency to dock the tails very short, almost totally. And the reason for that is it makes the meat part of the haunch look longer and bigger. But of course the tail's purpose is to protect the, the anus and the vulva in the case of a female sheep from the outside world so that in this country we've had issues with ravens attacking and crows will do the same thing so if they get a chance and that area of a sheep is pretty tender Mm. (laughs) it's pretty tender (laughs) of any of us so that if you cut the tail off no protection so probably there are all these things to balance out
0: why don't you ask Alison? because she has got Swart she's the sheep expert and I don't think Farmer Phil is qualified Do you Exactly right well, I,
2: I tell you this, it's very odd that we're talking about this now because last night I had a conversation with someone because recently I've just delved into the, uh, into the whole world of keeping sheep and I've got a couple of lambs at home which we'll talk a little bit more about next week but I was talking to someone last night about how you worry about all your stock and things go wrong and you lose animals through death and things like that and it seems that often people that don't pay much attention to their stock and I'm thinking there's a particular example close to me there's some farmers they've got this massive great flock of sheep right all really long tails they've, in fact the whole sheep they're, they're completely neglected but interestingly you, know, you mentioned that point about the, the the fact that the quality of grazing would affect the, the relevance of the length of tail mm. because there's very little grazing there you know the grazing is very poor and the sheep mm. have got long tails which is why perhaps they do survive fly strike more than mine might on really, really good grazing that's
1: right so anyway I thought you're dead right. What do I know about sheep? I'll well, ask, ask Alison. Alison. So I duly asked Alison, and she threw into the melting pot the added thing that the different breeds of sheep have different amounts of wool around the tail area. So some breeds you can leave undocked much easier, whatever you feed them on, than other breeds. Hersewort blaze are, largely speaking, undocked. So, armed with all this plethora of information, I wrote back to Podchef, all that lot and told him what I thought. And he wrote back and said, yes, that's what he thought. <laughs> 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 so <laughs> that, was, that was quite... Yeah, inn- so
0: to dock or not to dock, that is the question.
1: Well... It's safer to uh, dock, isn't it? The, the jury... Oh, can we make that conclusion? Oh, I, mean, we, I think, we... I think it, the decision we came to was that it's not acceptable to dock very aesthetically. short... Aesthetically. Aesthetically. I think... In terms of whether to dock at all, it depends on your sheep, what you're feeding them, and what the management protocol is likely to be. Yeah. Now, in Podchef's case, they decided to dock. But that brought on another thing. Because the sheep, was the, the lamb was a bit older, they couldn't use an elastrator ring, so that they then had to do it with local anaesthetic and a knife, essentially, right. which runs the risk of infection in the wound, fairly obviously, and increased cost. But they've, that's what they've decided to do. Oh,
0: he's waffling.
1: But in amongst this, I've got to add this bit, because Alison then emailed me back, and this is what she said. After lambing, Grandad used to gather the ewes and lambs back into the barn and do the lambs' tails then. Obviously, the lambs were a lot older, so that we're talking lumpers of lambs now, not yeah, little right. baby ones. Yeah. A sharp penknife was used, and all lambs had their tails chopped. I would suggest this was probably without local anaesthetic, as that's how farming was. My auntie, if she was home, used to make lamb tail stew. Er, surely there couldn't have been much meat.
3: there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so
1: I passed that on to Pod Chef. Oh, and
0: he's made some. Funnily enough, oh no!
1: <laughs> In the end, we decided to dock the lamb's tail between fly strike and the creepiness of sheep with a tail. We have banded it. Before getting your emails, I'd suggested to Anu that we make lamb tail stew. Great minds think alike. It was soundly rejected, as was the idea that we let the dogs use it as a tug toy. <laughs>
3: <coughs> <coughs>
1: so, anyway, that's how it is. And anybody's comments, thoughts and what have you on docking sheep's tails would be interesting to hear. But it's, it's a sort of subject open for argument, don't
0: Cosmopolitan magazine have come out with a campaign to ban sunbeds. So I think the Wiggly campaign should be ban aesthetic docking. <laughs> Any good?
2: Does it go on though, really? Do people just dock sheep for aesthetic reasons?
0: Yes, yeah, <coughs> show sheep. Really? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah, when we you... used to show Suffolk sheep, you would see beautiful haunches and a tail above the bits. Right. And my dad used to say, not on too high so ban aesthetic docking and (laughs) sunbeds, if you like so Ricardo you did a few talks at the show and met up with Bridget Strawbridge
2: I did I met some great people you know at the show I mean Bridget Bridget aside I had a really interesting rattle with Bridget but lots of folks came up to us at the show stand and said how much they enjoyed the podcast.
0: They were lying. Yeah, well, they might
2: have been. I just started to get freebies or something like that, you know, get some discount. But I met some really nice people, some really genuinely lovely people, you know, and, and uh, people of all different types, you know, and young folks and sort of middle-aged folks and older folks, you all know. Folks, so children. Uh, yeah, yeah, not so much children. But, uh, yeah, so that was, that was great. I mean, actually, one particular, because I didn't get anybody's names, you know, because it was a shame I didn't ask, really, because I could have given them a, Shout out on the podcast, but one person who came up at the end of I think it might have been Friday and she said, Oh, I love the podcast, it's really great. You know, this lovely bubbly blonde lass. And, uh, you know, she, she she was kind of easy on the eye, I've got to say. Oh, <laughs> so she, uh, anyway, and, I, and uh, We know which customers Ricardo was <laughs> concentrating on then. <laughs> I thought, listen, I are on the up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> <And> she, uh, <laughs> but she, um, Not a Mrs. Was, she was, Slocum, She was no? called Charlotte. So, oh. hello,
3: Charlotte. Oh.
2: I should say. Yeah! Uh, yeah, but no, I mean, uh, she's, uh, she was a lot younger than me. I was probably pretty old man there. She probably thinks I'm old. But uh, anyway, but, uh, so it was great. And I had a chat with Bridget. The other thing I did which we'll probably listen to in a, in a future episode. I had a chat to a, a gentleman from the Worcestershire Beekeeping Association because I'm constantly getting asked about chronic colony collapse and brood and whatnot in, in wild bees. And, what, you know, I mean, I kind of know what the situation is, but I, I wanted to get some gin from the horse's mouth, so I had a little chat with him as well.
0: Bit of detail on that on farming today. That's available as a podcast now, but if you want to hear it, you know, the proper job from the horse's mouth, listen to next week's Wiggly podcast. In the meantime, hope you have a lovely, lovely week with lovely weather. I've got a fantastic suntan. Best wishes from Blakemere.
2: Are we introducing Bridget Strawbridges?
0: Forgot that.
1: She's so uh, intent uh, on uh, getting in uh, on a radio so programme <laughs> yeah. the fact that she doesn't look like a Belisha Beacon that she has in fact no, no. got a tan The whole hair situation has improved dramatically as well it's, yeah.
0: uh, Right, Let's go to Bridget Strawbridge
2: OK, well we've come to the Malvern show, I mean it's been a fantastic show this is the Saturday, the third day Bridget Strawbridge, who many of the you listeners might uh, might recognise that name, uh, featured in a, a fantastic programme a couple of years ago on the telly, um, called it Ain't Easy Being Green, and it was great. And uh, I was particularly intrigued, and it, it's an interesting one because so much energy went into that programme. I met uh, Dick actually last year at the Hay Festival, and How had, did a, had you? a chat with him there, there, and he was talking. He was talking with the skies. They had a, a low carbon footprint home he was doing some spiel for them there so I was particularly intrigued to meet you today and Will said you were coming yeah. so that was, that was quite nice and you've got a fantastic project yeah. That I yeah. wanted to talk to you about you've done a great <laughs> speech a great talk a second ago very enthusiastic and I, I admire that a speaker
4: <laughs> especially
2: when it's, when it's this warm on a Saturday afternoon oh I know
4: it's warm
2: today. It? so what are you up to?
4: Wow, well, what I'm doing, is, it's, I've set up a charity. The charity's called The Big Green Idea, because it is. It's big, it's green, and it's an idea I had. And it's basically following on, sort of from the series, after the, the It's Not Easy Being Green series. We got thousands and thousands of emails from, from people who said, you know, we'd like to do this, we'd like to do this, but we live in flats or rented accommodation, or yeah. we, we can't do it the way you did it, right, so right, right. is there anything we can do? Right. I'm thinking, well, God, there's so much that people can do, and, and, and I'm not talking about the people who are already halfway there. I'm, I'm thinking I would like to try and find a way to reach people who don't have an awful lot of disposable income or who haven't got gardens and right. who may be not sure about the whole green thing, right. so not preaching to the converted. And right, right. this is where I came up with this idea. The big green idea, and it's uh, there's a lot to it. But but the project that I'm working on at the moment involves a double-decker
2: bus. Okay, fantastic. So you're going to uh, it's a bit like what was that song with uh, that film with Cliff Richard in when they were oh, yeah, going there summer, summer holidays, holiday. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I can see you in that film. But the, uh, <coughs> so you're going to pile into the bus with yeah. with all your goodies and all your gadgets, to, which will give people an idea of the kind of things that they can do in their yeah. own domestic setting, and presumably then you're going to be stopping off in lots of different places and then right into the nitty-gritty of some quite developed urban places, really. Where people don't have a luxury of space.
4: Well, especially cities, I think. I I mean, I want to go and visit local authorities, outlying communities and also schools and universities and businesses. Right. And the bus has got, the the top deck's got a solar-powered cinema and it's got a wind turbine on it, so that's going to be a place for DVDs and also for talks and demonstrations to demystify all all of this jargon now. You know, it's people really confused with so many terms. But then downstairs it's going to be stocked with things, full of things to help people think outside the box so they can look at alternatives, alternative household cleaners, alternative skincare products, or how they can use things to recycle them, reuse them. Things like, like the sort of things that you do, you know, the bokashi, right, which, right. which people are fascinated by. Yeah. You, you saw today, yeah. out of how many people were here, about 60, 70 I people, only two of them had come across bokashi. It's,
2: it's amazing, isn't it, to think, but I think what people often struggle with, certainly lots of gardeners here today, you know, they'll be doing loads of composting, but they, uh, they're always worried or concerned about what they can do with their protein products yes. yeah and of course what Pikashi does is excludes pathogens so yeah. ultimately you can you can treat those proteins but yeah but there, there are lots of different things you were showing people lots of different, yeah. the the thermofleece I've got in my home you know yes. my, my walls are Loving. insulated with that and you're absolutely really right you know my when, the, when the house after the, it's not so it's not so bad now, but um, after the after the winter when it's kind of damp, yeah. and then you get this warm weather at the spring. Now <laughs> it's just the smell. It's not a sheep. It's smell, smell of sheep. It was, uh, but it is wonderful. It I just I love, love the smell of sheep. I'm not quite sure whether that makes us. Well, it's so things I know, I do. or, It does it I,
4: make us very very sad, very very weird. But, <laughs> but people do. It's nice because people have heard. People know about insulation. They've heard of sheep's wool insulation. But but you don't always get a chance to handle it. And I found that you saw today. If I pass those things around. I like pass around um, hemp, net um, yeah. nettle fibre, fibre wool made out of banana right, uh, leaves right. and things. Like that, and the Bokashi for people to smell and the alternative household cleaners for them to smell, then people, it, it brings them alive and it means instead of hearing them about them or reading about them, they can handle them and touch them, right, and right. then you honestly you'd be amazed by how many people will then go out and get them, yeah, so yeah. I thought if I could take all of this out on a bus, yeah. and then also lots of alternative technology, so so you know we'll have examples of all the alternative technologies outside, right. and really, really enthusiastic people who don't preach and who don't judge so so the people who come to the bus don't feel that we're going to pounce on them and try and make them green Um, just to find out whether people you know whether they want whether they care about their health or animal welfare or humanitarian issues or their pockets it really doesn't matter as long as you can introduce them and get them on the first step of the ladder and then then it tends to go from there i found
2: so people that are listening to this now and yeah. um, what could they do how can they uh, how can they see where you are what you're doing Oh right and, well with you? I've
4: got a website and it's it's work in progress so eventually I want it to be a website where people can go and ask any question they want and get an answer oh, okay. but it's called the big green idea and that's um it's www.thebiggreenidea.org right, okay. So oh and there's a video on there I didn't set that oh, okay. if if you go to the homepage there's a picture of a d- double-decker bus. a YouTube thing
2: going uh, on yeah.
4: Oh no it's properly it's really good oh, actually wow, okay. it's a friend of mine who has a little production company and he's filmed me getting the bus and the beginnings and oh, well. that is going to be updated every two, three weeks. Okay. So so you can get... It's an eight-minute video and it just gives you a real feel for, for what, what I'm doing and right. the, for the space in the bus because, right. there's honestly, like, once you see this, you will want the double-decker bus. <laughs> I would love to live on it. It's so <laughs> I think
2: it sounds like you might well be living on oh, it. Yeah, I yeah. know. I think I
4: will, so, or at least yeah. driving it. So, <laughs> so brilliant. Scary.
2: When do you think you're going to be on the road? When do you think you're going um, to
4: be out there? Realistically, I've got a couple of um, things I'm aiming for, late summer holidays, but probably it's going to be early autumn And I've got I've got some bookings already, but mostly Herefordshire and Worcestershire. Maybe the Eden Project, maybe the Eden Project with it, and maybe um, a series of 50 schools around the UK as well. Right. So, and then long term aim is to have a bus in every region because right. obviously that that's a far, far better way to cover more at the same time. And it's going to run on recycled chip fat biodiesel, well uh, uh, well, not was, on this. Oh, yeah, I was thinking about asking thing. you that question. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah no, good, good. Yeah, worry yeah, I know. Recycled chip fat is definitely the yeah. way to go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I keep thinking about um, I'm just not quite, I can't quite justify the time of making my own fuel oh, yet, but no. I, I, I should. I think it's the next step. You know? Oh, yeah,
4: you should try. Yeah, yeah, except for all, I, I think so many people are doing it now that the chip shops, um, you know, much yeah, there's probably someone, someone already comes there
2: every Friday night and picks it all up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been lovely to meet you. Yeah, you lovely too. Lovely to talk to you. Yes. And, uh, and I think well, there's, there's every chance we're going to play with a lot of Picasso. That would be really good. That would be really good. I
4: can hand it out to people as testers then. Thank you. Cheers. Well done, Rich.
0: You always get great,
2: great, great, great. I do, you're right.
0: Well done, Rich. You always get great interviews. They're always better than mine, aren't they? Yeah, they are, yeah. yeah. Um, what we'll do is... That's we'll why s- you
2: pay me now, I suppose.
0: It is, really, isn't Not
2: it? Not enough, though, I <laughs> say to Dad. But it's I funny, am- always got a funny colour when I imagine things Yeah, like I that.
0: just look in the head yeah. like this, <laughs> thinking, I wish you'd earned me some.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs>
0: <sighs> so, it's goodbye from the Wiggly Sofa Farmer Phil, you want to give Ricardo's contact details out.
1: Well, I was just thinking that Ricardo was was particularly interested in all feedback, notably from young females, and if you wish to feedback to Ricardo, his email address is richard at wigglywigglers.co.uk and he's open to all questions. Am I? (laughs) Indeed I am, indeed I am.
0: So it's goodbye from the wiggly sofa here in Blakemere, Herefordshire on a gentle summer's day. Bye for me, Heather.
2: Bye for me and it's bye from me.
0: Free Spuds! Free seed potatoes, that's what they are really. If you'd like to claim your free bag of seed potatoes, because we've overstocked by squillions and trillions, it's not Richard's fault really, mm. then put in SO841 into the quick search box. But anyway, we've got lots of them, so you can claim your free kilo bag if you're in the UK when you order online with Wiggly Wigglers or over the phone. SO841. And they're available till we run out. So if you're listening to this in 2015, forget it. Really, leave it. It is May, June time, 2008 that they're available. Bye.